Hi, everyone. If I move to here just slightly, yep, that'll do. <coughs> Thank you. I have been away for quite a while. There's a fan on or something. Is that the fan? Is that what's doing it? I'll get back over here. Um, just to update... Oh, close the Bible. Just to update you for what's happened for me in the last couple of weeks, God has been extremely good. Um, uh, my dad, for some, most of you will know, but some of you may not. If you're visiting tonight, this could be your very first time here, then if that's the case, then welcome. We are glad that you are here. We hope you enjoy your service and we hope most of all that God speaks to you, that you meet with him in a significant way, that he prompts you forward in a relationship with him. Ultimately, that's what we are committed to. The purpose of our church is to work with him in helping people to be changed, transforming people into passionate followers of the Lord Jesus. Um, so welcome. If you are here tonight for the very first time and you didn't get a welcome pack on the way in, then I encourage you to grab one of those on the way out. They look like this. And it's filled with goodies. Oh, it's got water in it. I just might use that for tonight. That'll be very, very helpful. Um, I suffer from a thing called dry mouth syndrome. I don't know what that, if that's a syndrome, but I just said it was. Um, and I found out this morning, I had somebody else in our church has it too, and he said it's probably your blood pressure medication which has been confirmed tonight, so out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, <laughs> then I'll have to go and see my doctor and see if she can change that. That's probably what it is. It's annoying. Um, and it means... Anyway. Um, welcome tonight. Um, my name is Daryl. <laughs> I'm the bumbling idiot at the front at the moment. Um, back in the end of June, my dad, who is uh, in his early 80s, my mum has passed away about f five, six years ago, and... Uh, longer than that, eight years ago. Gee. Um, so my dad is in his early 80s and back in June had a massive stroke. Not a big stroke, but a massive stroke. In the providence of God, he happened to be in hospital for a chest infection when he had that stroke because if he had been at home by himself, he wouldn't be here today. My dad is not yet a believer in the Lord Jesus, so God has been very gracious to him and extended his period of life. And in recent weeks, my dad has moved into a nursing home. This is very echoey. Isn't it? Can we adjust that, James? Is it me? Do I need to move? Will that be helpful if I move? That's not, no different. <laughs> um, so he's, he was in hospital, he had a massive stroke and came out of that and now he's in a nursing home in high care and in this last two weeks that I've been away, week and a half, I, my, me, my sister and I and Rhonda, my wife, um, had to basically pack the house up, get it ready for sale and do all that stuff. It's, if you've never had the experience, and most of you here tonight won't, I would expect, have had that experience. Some of you have, um, but most of you haven't. When it happens, it is emotionally very taxing. It's very demanding. I was very surprised how emotional I found myself being. It caught me off guard. I thought it'd be emotional, but it's, it's really, well, for me, deeply emotional. So the trip was very exhausting, but God has been incredibly good. Uh, my sister, who has been estranged for about 18 months, has like come back, and it's like it was before. She assisted, and we worked together well. We had lunch together, and she even said at the end of that process, next time you're in, in Randra visiting Dad, then come and stay with us. It's like, wow. So God has been at work there. 
Um, my dad is very content and very settled in the nursing home. In fact, he now sees that as where his home is and he's accepted that. Whereas I was very concerned that he would be a bit... I've been waiting for him to get angry because he never wanted to go into a nursing home and now he's in a nursing home. And he's not angry, he's come to the point of I accept that this is where I am and this is good for me, it's the best place that I can be. And so I'm very grateful to God that that's the position that he's in. Um, He's even put on a little bit of weight because now he's eating three meals a day. Whereas before, as many of our seniors do, they, they don't look after themselves properly. And he wasn't. And So he's in a better place. My sister's in a good place. And even the house has been sold and it's been settled this week and everything is now done and dusted. So it's like a great relief to me that I no longer have to worry about any of those sorts of things. The only concern that I have now is my ongoing care for dad and particularly his spiritual welfare, to keep praying for him. But I also have to manage his finances and um, you know, pay his bills and do all those sorts of things. And some of, there are some major decisions to make there. And Finances always stress me out. That's why Rhonda looks after all of our finances. I have nothing to do with it <clears throat> because I become quite cranky very quickly when it comes to financial things, one of my weaknesses. So thank you for praying. God has been very gracious and very good. And I couldn't have written a better response That's what the Bible says, that when you pray and ask God, he often answers us abundantly above all that we ask or think. And the Lord has certainly done that for me. So I'm grateful to him and grateful to you, my church, for praying for me, us, through that time. So we are back and here to focus on uh, what God's wanting us to do. And tonight I want to take some time to talk to you about something which is in the need of, in the life of our church, was about serving about being involved. God wants us not only to believe in the Lord Jesus, that's number one. He wants us to be baptised, to declare our faith in him, that's number two. But he also wants us to belong. He wants us to be in a body of people where we are involved, not just turning up, not just being interested, but he wants us to be committed. There's a difference between being interested and being committed. If you're interested, well, I'll do it when I'm interested and when it's convenient. But if you're committed, then it's I'll do it Whether it's convenient or not, I am committed. And the Lord Jesus wants us, God wants us to be committed. That's what that passage that Steph read to us ultimately is about. We're not going to look at that, but it encapsulates the truth for tonight and the next few weeks. That in view of all that God has done for us in Christ, in sending Jesus to die for us, to reconcile us to himself, in view of God's mercies, therefore, brothers and sisters, Submit your body to him. Give your body to him as a living sacrifice. Every part of you, submit, surrender, commit to him that he can use you as his servant. We're all different, that passage says, and we all have different gifts, but we are to be involved in the body. We're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought or to look down upon others or to be dismissive of them, but we are to be involved and committed. That's where we're going to sort of travel tonight. Tom, let me just check before I pray. Did we get the PowerPoint? No? Uh, Satan doesn't want you to see the PowerPoint tonight. I had a PowerPoint for tonight and I've sent it three times to the PA desk. So it had the verses that I'm going to be quoting for you up. So uh, Tom will find it eventually or I'll kill Tom by the end of the service. (laughs) No, I won't. It's not his fault. Um, Maybe somebody can explain to me something I'm doing wrong. Um, I take full responsibility for it. I think. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
with or without the PowerPoint, we pray that tonight you might speak to us by your spirit. Help us to hear your words and to respond to them. Lord, I pray that you would speak truth through me this night, that we, each of us, and we together, corporately, might be faithful followers, those who please and honour you. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Oops. God is the one who made us and God has shaped us and he has shaped us for a purpose. The PowerPoint slide would have said, God made me. On the back of my t-shirt, it will tell you where this shirt was made. Well, somewhere in our DNA, it'll say, made by God, that he is the creator and he made you. He has made each one of us. And each one of us is not a copy. We are originals. Each tree on the planet is different. Every plant is different. Every animal is different. Every human is unique. It's different. Which means that there is no one like you in the world. Or to personalise it, there's no one like me in the world. And everybody says, hallelujah. Even identical twins, those we call identical twins, are not fully identical. They are very, very, very alike, but there are differences. God makes originals. As somebody once said, it's almost like the creator has a little bit of creative overkill. It just goes on all the time. In a, square, in a cubic metre of snow, there's millions of snowflakes and not one of them is alike. It's incredible how creative the Lord is. In my home, we have a print and it's my favourite piece of art. And it's something that came out when Rhonda was going to, I think it was a Hillsong conference, doesn't matter, was going to a conference. And I was driving her there each day. This is years ago when we were in Sydney. And when I dropped her off, I, uh, the first day I spent in a coffee shop and spent the day there and just you know, took my Bible and notepads and books and things and spent the time in a coffee shop writing sermons and reading and praying and stuff. And during lunch or whenever I took a break and I went for a walk and I went to this uh, art gallery and in this art gallery, I saw this particular print, which now hangs in our home. When I saw it, I loved it. And I went and saw it for th the next three days because the price was hundreds of dollars. And I thought, oh, it's a bit steep. It's like $600 or something. And, you know, you're going back three, four hundred years, so it's a lot of money. Um, yeah. Saw it on the second day, liked it. By the third day, I decided I want to buy it. But I was so attracted to this painting, I wanted to see the original. So I asked the owner of the art gallery, um, is the original available? Yes, it was. How much is the original? And I forget the amount, but it was way out of my league. It's like, you know, thousands of dollars. So I said, I would love a copy of the print, please. So I got the print. Originals are always much dearer, aren't they? They're much more valuable. Now that means, because we are originals, we're not copies. We are valuable, and much more valuable um, than we often would think. Um, God could have made us all alike, but he hasn't. And the reason he hasn't is because originals are far more valuable. And you are valuable to God. He made you, made you unique. Christ died for you, potentially. 
If you're a believer in him, then he definitely died for you. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, his Holy Spirit lives in you. The first verse I was going to share with you tonight is Genesis 2-7. Write that down. I'll go through these again maybe next week, like summary, rapid fire in five minutes or something. But Genesis 2-7, which talks about God shaped, formed, made Adam from the dust of the ground. He shaped him. And that's the key word for tonight, shaped. Um, and then the creator kneels down and almost kisses this statue that he has made, breathes into him the breath of life. Adam was shaped, handmade by God. So are we. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. Let me read you those. It says, uh, it points out for us what God did for us before we were born. And these are very familiar words to us. Um, you've read, and for many people, these are a favourite portion of Scripture. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. If you go through that passage again carefully, and if they're on the screen, it'd be a lot easier. Look what God did for you before you were even born. He created you. He forged you. He made you. He wove you together. He saw your bones being formed. He shaped you and put you together. And he even planned the days of how long you would live before you were born. Incredible, isn't it? The Creator is the one who has made us. We are made by God. We're not accidents. God planned us. You can have accidental parents, but you can't have accidental children. All children planned by God. It's a wonderful truth. And it, you need to think about what does that mean for you. God even formed your parents, which means God also chose your parents to be your parents. God took my non-Christian mum and dad to form me. Yeah, he did that with you too. He took your parents because they had exactly the right amount of DNA or the right DNA to form and to shape you to be you. You're an original. You're unique. And whether your parents were good parents or whether they were bad parents, whether they were indifferent parents, doesn't matter. God used them to make you, you, and you are not an accident. God has made you and shaped you. What was true of Adam and Eve is true of you. His hands formed you and shaped you, handmade by God. That means God chose all the details of my life. He formed me and he made me. He formed you and he made you. That means he gave you the weaknesses that you don't like. He formed you that way. God wants you to be you. If you search the entire planet, you'll never find anyone who is exactly like you. Nobody else has your thumbprint, your footprint, your voice print. No one else has your eye print. No one else has your personality or the experiences that you've experienced through your life growing up. God has been shaping you. He's gone to a lot of trouble to make you who you are. The Creator has been involved in your life. Now, of course, many people, most of us, in fact, don't like that and don't acknowledge that. We don't like who we are. We want to be somebody different. We say things like, I wish I was taller. Rhonda wishes she was taller. 
I wish I was smaller. I wish I was thinner. I wish my hair color was different. I wish I had hair. I don't like my nose, I don't like my teeth, I don't like my skin colour, I don't like fair skin, I wish I had more melanin in my skin, I wish I had more talent, why can't I be more like him, why can't I be more like, well, her, why can't I be more like Wes and play the drums like him, how come I have no musical ability? It disappoints me greatly and one of the things I look forward to in heaven is I'll be able to sing in tune, I assume. I'm assuming that. The Lord made me this way. He didn't give me the ability. He doesn't want to hear beautiful noise come out of my mouth. He wants to hear my noise come out of my mouth. He made me, he shaped me. Now, some people, if you don't only like yourself and accept who you are, many people also try to be like someone else. I want to look like her. I want to dress like him. I want to make money like they did. I want to do what they did. We start out as originals, the way God has made us, and we end up trying to end up being carbon copies of one another. The reality is only you can be you. This is a long, lengthy introduction, but you've been wired by God, shaped by God, designed by God for a deliberate purpose, his purpose. You've been designed and shaped by God to serve him. Rick Warren it was, and Eric Rees, and a few other people now, came up with what I think is a very helpful acrostic. It's not the only one, but it is a helpful one. It's the acrostic shape. Some of you have heard of that before, S-H-A-P-E. And those five things is what makes you unique. And as you discover more about those things, you discover more about yourself, and therefore you'll discover God's purpose for you, of how he has wired you, shaped you, and wants you to be serving him in the church, but in life, in your career, in your family, in all of your relationships. The acrostic shape, S-H-A-P-U, stands for, S stands for, spiritual gifts. And we'll talk a little bit more about that one tonight, but not the others. They'll wait for next week. H stands for heart, that God has given us different feelings, different passions, things, different things excite us, different things interest us. A stands for abilities, our natural abilities. Some people are very coordinated, some people are not very coordinated. Some people are very musical, some people are great at maths, and yada, yada, yada. Some people are great at literature. We all have different abilities, the way that God has made us. We have different personalities, that's the P, and the E stands for experiences. That all through our life, God has been giving us all kinds of experiences, shaping us. Good experiences, but also painful experiences. God never wastes anything. All of the experiences you've been having, the Creator has been allowing and using in order to shape you to become the person that you wanted to be. He wants you to be. And God never wastes anything. He has the ability to take bad circumstances and to turn it into good. Genesis 50 verse 20 is Joseph, his testimony of saying, when he was rejected and mistreated by his brothers and by many other people, he said, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. God allowed all the bad things to happen to him to shape him to be the person whom God was going to use. So too for us. God has shaped you the way you are. He's given you your abilities, your talents, your gifts, your personality, your experiences. Why? Because he's got a purpose for you to do. He's got a job for you to be involved in. In architecture, my son is an architect, Shane. In architecture... 
the form, the shape of a building, is determined by the function. You need to tell an architect, what do you want this building to do? Tell him the function and they'll design the form. But for us as people, it's the exact opposite way. God has given us a form and that will determine our function. By understanding our form more and more, we will understand God's purpose and direction for our life as he talks about it through the scriptures. So the question becomes, how am I wired? How has God shaped me? God won't give me spiritual gifts or my particular interests or my abilities or my experiences and then go well let's ignore all of that and let's go I want you to go and do this over here which is something you're not gifted in and something you don't particularly like because you're not interested in it but that's my will for you he doesn't work like that that's the opposite he's been at work in your life shaping you and designing you in order that that which you are good at is a pretty good indication of what he wants you to be doing I'm not just talking about church life talking about all of life jeremiah 1 verse 5 says before i shaped you in the womb i knew you and i had plans for you before you were born god was at work in jeremiah's life shaping him and had a plan for his life so too for us vision 210 talks about we are saved by faith through grace not of works so no one can boast in order to do the works that god has prepared in advance for us to do god has works prepared in advance for us to do ephesians 2 10 but of course the lord won't force us to follow his plan we can be self-centered we can be sinful we can be distracted we can make our own choice we can ignore god's plan for our life and we can end up frustrated and worrying and all sorts of things and god will let us do that he will let us have our own way he'll say go ahead but there will be consequences God formed us to serve him. Isaiah 49 verse 5. God formed me to be his servant. So if you're not serving the Lord, then let me encourage you from today, from tonight, to make that decision of saying, Lord, you made me, you shaped me, you've given these interests and abilities and gifts. I want to serve you. Show me how. Make the rest of your life the best of your life if you haven't been serving him. And I wanted to say tonight... To raise your awareness that this life is not all of it. This life is a test. God is in the process of developing us, of shaping us. This side, this life is about what, 80 years? Sometimes more, sometimes less. But the other side, the next life, it's trillions of years. It's eternity. It's immeasurable. So this life is a test. God is testing us with the issue of what did you do with the things that I gave you? And there is a final exam. We will appear before him for judgment. And he wants us to pass that final exam. There are two questions the Lord will ask, I think, on judgment day. Number one has to do with the saviour. Number two has to do with stewardship. Number one, the most important question of all, what did you do with Jesus Christ? I sent him into the world to be the saviour of the world. How did you respond to him? Did you accept him? Did you ask him for forgiveness? Did you uh, bow the knee before him and accept him as Lord? Have you accepted him? John 6, 29, a bunch of Gentiles came to Jesus one day and they said to him, what do we have to do to do the works of God? What is it God wants us to do? Jesus says, John 6, 29, this is the work of God for you, to believe in the name of the one he has sent. Number one. What do we have to do? Believe in Jesus. That's the first question. 
When you get to judgment day, God will hold a stethoscope, if you like, over your heart to see if your heart is beating. Is there life and love for him? Or have you rejected him? That will determine your destiny and it won't be in heaven. The second question that God will ask you on judgment day has to do with what we're talking about tonight. Stewardship. The stewardship of your life. If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, then what are you doing with the stuff that I have given you? What are you doing with all that I resourced you with, with the talents, with the abilities, with all of the resources? Did you spend it on yourself? Or how did you invest it for me and for my honour and for my glory? Because that's why I gave it to you. Your talents and the way we use them will determine our reward, our role and our responsibilities in the next life. This life is a test. So we need to evaluate carefully our involvement and our priorities. Not just being interested, but being committed, being focused. Psalm 33, verses 13 to 15. says, God from heaven looks, overlooks all of the earth, where he has shaped each person, and he is now watching each one, how they live on the earth, and he considers everything that they do. Psalm 33. The Lord is watching from heaven, everyone that he has made, shaped and formed, to see what are they doing. And he's considering it. All things have been made for a purpose, including us. I meant to bring a pencil tonight. Pencils are made to write with. But you can use your pencil to clean the wax out of your ears as well. You can. Uh, I think you can. I know you can, because I can with my pencil. Knives are made to cut with. But I've also used a knife to undo some very small screws. Everything can be used or abused. Things are made for a purpose, but they can be used for a wrong purpose. Everything in life. God says he's watching you. He's watching, he's listening, he's evaluating. He made you for a purpose. We'll learn a little bit more about that. The God who is watching you, who shaped you, um, his shape, plan, purpose for your life is revealed through these things, through your shape. God formed you to serve him. This life is a test. And finally, when we do what God has designed us to do, then that brings him glory because it's revealing him, the creator. It's revealing, it's making him smile. The best quote I have of this is Eric Liddell. You know, back in 1924, he's in the Olympics and he's going up against um, Abraham's, doesn't matter who it was, he was competing against him. And he, was, he changed Olympic events and he ends up getting gold medal and he had a sister, Jenny. And he was so focused on the athletics, he had a call on God on his life to go to China to be a missionary. And Jenny came to him out of concern. She thought that he had lost focus, that he'd become far more interested in athletics than he was in obeying the call to go to China. And she came to correct him. And he said to her, now famously, in the movie, and many people have quoted it, he says... Jenny, 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 when God made me, he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. It's a great line, isn't it? God, when God made me, he made me this way. He made me with the ability to run fast. And when I run fast, I feel his pleasure. It feels good. It feels right. It feels like I'm glorifying him. Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink 
or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Isaiah 43, verses 20 and 21 talk about God is doing a new thing in the earth. He's making a way in the desert, providing water in the wasteland. The animals will honour God. Um, and the people that he has formed for himself, there it is again. And the people he has formed for himself will proclaim his praise. He has formed us, shaped us. He has designed us in order to live for his glory. We are his masterpiece. That when people look at us, when the creation looks at us, they admire the work of the creator. When we do what we have been designed by him to do. So God is watching you. To enjoy you. To love you. To bring pleasure and glory to himself through you. There are four gifts that God gives us. Well, before I go to that, let me ask you this. If you go back to Liddell, God made me blank. And when I blank, I feel his pleasure. What would you put in in the blanks? God made me... Mm. That's your shape. God made me this way. He gave me this ability, this interest, this desire, this personality, these experiences. God gave me that. And when I do that, my purpose... I feel his pleasure. How would you fill in the blanks? It's a great exercise and it's worth doing. There are four spiritual gifts the Lord gave us when we became followers of the Lord Jesus, if you're a follower of him. Time is going when I was going to test you. What are the four gifts that God has given us? Let's spend 40 seconds on it. What do you reckon? Four gifts when you become a follower. Number one. Shout it out. Hmm. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Sorry? Salvation. Yes. <laughs> Forgiveness. Salvation. What else? His spirit. What else? Eternal life, somebody said. And somebody said something else they didn't hear. No? Anything else? His family. Yep. Anything else? Depending on the words you're using, we may have more than four. When you became a follower of the Lord Jesus, he gave you your forgiveness. You were forgiven for all of your sins. You have freedom from sins, penalty, power, and pleasures. What did I say? Just, uh, <clears throat> Romans 5.15. The Lord Jesus has brought forgiveness of sins to many. Forgiveness. Number two, eternal life, or as Tom wants to call it, salvation. Um, God has long-range plans for us. We've got a home in heaven that will be sin will be removed from us. He's given us eternal life, Romans 6.23. Wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. We can't be good enough. We can't buy it. We can't inherit it. It's something we have to receive. He gave us, thirdly, the gift of his spirit, that God is not only before us and behind us. He's not only above us. He's not only with us. He is also in us. Romans 5 verse 5, that God has given us his spirit to fill us with his own love, developing the fruit of the spirit within us. The fourth one that I had written down is God has not only given us forgiveness, eternal life and his spirit, but he's also given us spiritual gifts. When you are born again, you are given a new set of spiritual abilities 
These abilities come from his spirit. And the scriptures teach us that we are not to ignore these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. These are tools and equipment that God has given to each one of us. This is the S of the shape acrostic. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says that to each one of us, the means of helping the church is being given, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. So that if we are not using our spiritual gifts, then we are cheating, robbing one another. We are being deprived. Why do we need to know about our spiritual gifts? Why does Paul say, I don't want you to be ignorant of them? For these quick reasons. Because as you understand your spiritual gifts, you'll understand how God has designed you, shaped you, why you are responding on some of the situations, some of those ways. <clears throat> For instance, um, if we all went out, we could do this, let me illustrate it this way, we go out to um, a coffee shop together, half a dozen of us or so, and while we are there, the waitress who is bringing us our coffee and cakes and all other sorts of things has an action. She brings a tray, but in the process she drops it. And there's an awful mess. The person with a spiritual gift of exhortation will respond by saying, well, the reason that happened was you weren't carrying the tray right. The person with a gift of exhortation is a person who wants to correct things. A person with a gift of mercy, who was, might be sitting at the table, would say, oh, it's okay, everybody does it, don't worry about it. They would seek to relieve the embarrassment. A different person with a different gift, with a gift of serving, is here, let me give you a hand to help clean it up. It's the gift of meeting practical needs. A person with a gift of teaching, who has a desire to want to explain things or to provide insight or increase understanding is, now, the reason it fell over is it was too heavy on one side. A person with a gift of giving is, don't worry, I'll go and buy another dessert or more coffee and I'll be right back. A person with a gift of administration is a person who wants to organise things. You get the mop, you get the bucket, you can help me clean this up. We all respond differently to that very accidental situation in life because of the way that we have been shaped, because of the gifts that even God has given us. They come out in different ways. And there is a danger with spiritual gifts, and that is that some people want to project them onto others and other people are envious of spiritual gifts that they want somebody else's. Gift envy is, I wish I had that gift. Gift projection is where uh, it's... Anybody can do this um, when really it's based upon their own spiritual gifts. God has given us our spiritual gifts not only so we can un increasingly understand ourselves, but it also shows our worth and place in the body, that we are valuable and that we are needed and that we have a place and a role to fill. People could come to this church to stud back, what was it? <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly, was it? Um, anyway, people come and they might say, because it's a bigger church, I'm not needed. Everything is filled in. Um, where could I possibly help out? But that's faulty thinking. If you are here, and it's because God has brought you here, then it's not for you simply to sit, soak and become sour until the second coming. It's for you to get involved. Everyone is needed. Everyone is important. God has shaped you and he wants you to be involved. And there are no such thing as you have to be big and important. Everybody is important. Every part of the body is important. I don't know how to illustrate that. What's the least important part of your body? Little toenail? 
Uh, no, little toenail. Well, you know, pull a little toenail off. Yeah, it hurts. Nothing is insignificant. Everything is important. And you are. You have a role and a place to fulfill. You need to discover your spiritual gifts because it, um, it shows your worship and service to him. It brings glory to him. And finally, when you discover your spiritual gift, it is also your place of witness. Matthew 5.16 Let your light shine before men, Jesus says. When they see your good works, that's you using your shape, you manifesting your gifts, your abilities, your personalities in life. Let your light shine before men and when they see your good works, they will praise your Father in heaven. When we do what God has designed us to do, he will be pleased, honoured and glorified. So very quickly, how do we discover our spiritual gifts? Three ways. You need to examine, you need to evaluate and you need to experiment. Examine, study the scriptures, study the books, talk about them. Learn all you can what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. Number two, evaluate, evaluate yourself. Lord, what gifts of these that I've been studying do I have? Ask other people. Because other people will see gifts in you before you see it in yourself. I can illustrate that very powerfully by a lady by the name of Helen. We did a seminar on spiritual gifts at one time. And she had done the material. She did the spiritual gifts analysis. And that was helpful for some people. But it's not overly you know, definitive. It's helpful. It points in a direction. And she had done it and she drew a blank. She came back the next week and she said, I don't think I have any spiritual gift, contrary to what the Bible says. And so we stopped the seminar. We had about a dozen people in it. And we just went around the group. We all knew each other. And, and the other 11 people told Helen what her gift was. They affirmed in her what her strengths were, how she served and her heart. She had a gift of uh, serving and of mercy from memory. Um, and the body was overwhelmingly affirmative, affirming of her and her role. She couldn't see it in herself, but other people can. So do that. Ask other people. What do you think my gifts are? And number three, experiment. Examine, study the scriptures, evaluate, ask other people and experiment. Have a go. Don't just sit there, get involved. You cannot steer a parked car. The car needs to be moving. So, I'm just sitting and waiting for the Lord to tell me what ministry he wants me to be involved in. It'll never happen. Jump in. Have a go. Have a stab in the dark about what are you interested in. Experiment. Have a go. And then through the process of people affirming or even learning, no, that's not my gift. I hate this. Spiritual gifts is those areas where you'll find that you are interested, you are being affirmed, you'll find God is being glorified, God is blessing you through it. Uh, people will be affirming, you'll feel joy and pleasure in the process of doing it. But you've got to be moving, so jump in. So summary, what have we said tonight? God made me and shaped me. He chose the details of our life. Our weaknesses and our lack of some abilities is how he has designed us. Most people don't like who they are or how God has shaped them and they want to be somebody else. But that's a mistake. God made us to make a difference as us. So we need to be whom God has made us to be. And our shape, the way God has made us, reveals his purpose for our life of how he wants us to be serving him. This life is a test. There are two questions, salvation and stewardship. And God is looking for our broad life experience to be bringing honour and glory to him in the church, but also outside of the church. So we need to know how God has 
shaped us, beginning with what are my spiritual gifts? How can I find out? We've spoken a little bit about that. And so how can I honour God and serve him by using my spiritual gifts? The four gifts God gave us when you became believers in the Lord Jesus, forgiveness, eternal life, the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Are there any of these gifts which are still unwrapped by you? And what are you going to do about it? Let me lead you in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the creator, that you're awesome in your abilities and unlimited and in your ability to be able to create originals you've made us and you've made us for a purpose the purpose is to know you and to serve you and to glorify you lord you've given us spiritual gifts help us to discover them to develop them and to dedicate them to you in view of all that you have done for us in the light of the in the work of the lord jesus lord we want to present to you our bodies as living sacrifices in order that you might be honoured and your church might be served and the world might be a better place. We ask these things, pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final song together.